Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That is Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. Can you believe Thanksgiving is over and it is about December? I hope you started your thankfulness journal that I've been talking about throughout the month of November. And I encourage you to continue it as a daily practice. It's never too late to start a thankfulness journal. It will help keep the ups and downs of this journey in perspective. It's a regular part of my morning quiet time. It's been that way for many, many years now. And I find it therapeutic, actually, to really focus on the little things, the big things and the in-between things that I can just praise God for. So this week, I'm thankful for the continued progress my grandson Killian um, has made. He uh, has moved to the step-down unit and is off uh, the oxygen and most of the meds and supports. Uh, He did not get home for Thanksgiving, unfortunately. So please just join our family in prayer that he will be home for Christmas. We just really need the Lord to touch his heart and bring a full healing there. Um, I'm also grateful for my son, Slava. On Thanksgiving, we celebrated 12 years home from Ukraine. Um, If you've read my book, you know that story of how we brought Slava home and we arrived home on Thanksgiving day, late in the day. And that's just such a treasured memory of mine. So um, if if you want to check out my family's adoption story, The book is Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father, Uh, and I detail how all five of our adopted children joined our family, not just Slava's, but there's five altogether. So you can grab a copy wherever you buy your books, Um, or if you would like a signed copy, you can go to my personal website, sandraflack.com, and grab one there. Now, today, I'm super excited to have a returning guest, fellow adoptive mom and ministry leader with us. Um, But first, some details about our upcoming vital resources. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And coming up in early 2023, I'll be offering two online workshops. One is a free 
45-minute lunch and learn. It's an introduction to fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. If you're not sure if this is something that's going on at your house, if, if uh, you maybe suspect that your children have been prenatally exposed or maybe they did get a diagnosis or it's just, you know, one of those things that you just feel like, okay, I need to know a little bit more about this. And honestly, personally, from my own experience, um, Every foster and adoptive and kinship caregiver needs to have some education and understanding when it comes to FASD. So um, this free lunch and learn is a perfect opportunity to do that. So it is on Wednesday, January 18th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I do a presentation and then I stay on the call. Um, it's a Zoom. I'll stay on for to answer questions. So it ends up being about an hour, actually. Um, and I'm going to be doing a three-hour um, facets training. So this is the um, facets. Uh, we're going to focus on neurobehavioral conditions, including FASD, understanding and uh, applying the facets brain-based approach. Um, so that training is on Saturday, January 21st. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern. There is a registration fee for this one. It's a three-hour class. So to register, you have to register for either or, whatever one you want to do, so that way we can send you the Zoom link. Um, but uh, to register, you would just go to our website, justicefororphansny.org, and click on events at the top of the page, and it'll give you a drop down of the various trainings that are um, open to be registered for. So, And I'll include a link in the to the website in our show notes for this episode, so it's really easy for you to find. Also, speaking of amazing resources, don't miss our bonus episodes with Dr. Jared Brown. Uh, Dr. Brown, PhD, specializes in trauma, FASD, autism, all of the things. Um, this series of episodes with Dr. Brown focuses on topics of particular interest to us adoptive and foster parents. We talk about things such as prenatal trauma, complex trauma, FASD, screen time, executive dysfunction, inappropriate sexual behaviors, super important topic if you're raising teenagers, working memory, cognitive flexibility. Oh my goodness, we just did two episodes around the effects, the negative effects of sugary uh, foods and sugar-sweetened beverages. That was just so mind-blowing for that one. So check them out. Uh, regular episodes of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey drop into your inbox on Mondays. The special series with Dr. Brown, they drop on Fridays. So you won't want to miss any of them. We're doing 20 episodes with Dr. Brown in this series. Um, we've done 15 so far, and they are some of our most popular shows. So they all land in the same place. But while we're doing the bonus episodes, you actually get two podcasts a week um, from us, uh, including the bonus. So be checking it out. Lots of amazing resources there for foster, adoptive, and kinship caregivers. So please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss a single episode and so that other adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers can easily find this show and be encouraged and equipped too. Now to our guest, one of my favorite people, Elizabeth Okapinti, is co-founder and president of Miriam's Heart, a New Jersey-based nonprofit working with children placed in foster care or adopted and their families. She has a master's in child and adolescent psychology and is a TBRI practitioner. 
Liz serves on the Orphan Sunday and Stand Sunday leadership team and was awarded a Congressional Coalition of Adoption Award. She and her husband are foster and adoptive parents. Liz is also author of the new children's book that we're going to talk about today, Adventures of Tiger Lily. She's also my good friend. Please welcome returning guest Elizabeth Okapinti. Hey, Liz. Hey, how are you? I am very, very good, and I am thrilled to have you back on the show. We've just had a whole, we just could have pressed record and listened to our whole conversation we just had, but we'll save that for the blooper reel, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of agree. I feel like there's some really good nuggets in there. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. And we agreed to meet in between New Jersey and New York somewhere to have coffee and actually actually have a day to be able to do that because we could talk forever, but we want to stick to our agenda here so our listeners have some kind of coherent conversation to listen to. Um, Goodness, because you've been on, you've been on this podcast a few other times, but for any new listeners or anybody who doesn't know, why don't you just fill us in on what your family looks like? Cool. So thank you again for having me. I love being able to talk to you, my my colleague to the north. Um, I love having our camaraderie, our New York, New Jersey love fest whenever we get to get our heads together. I, like you, have a busy family. Um, I have five kids of um, the ages of 25 to almost 13. Um, those ages keep changing, which makes it incredibly difficult to remember what they are, but I'll give it my best shot. 25, <laughs> 17, 15, 14, almost 13. Um, and I have four daughters and one, what my daughters would say, one spoiled and very lucky son. And what he would say is it's terrible to have four sisters. So we'll see how that shakes out in the next few decades, but uh, it's a busy home. And we're also licensed um, foster parents. We adopted two of our kids from Korea and we um, occasionally have a few extra um, little ones around um, less these days as some policies have changed in New Jersey. But yeah, it's a busy family um, and we're just, you know, like you, just right in the right in the mix, right in the middle of the storm all the time. Yeah, yeah, can totally relate. And I'm sure that our listeners can as well. Um, and I know with with Miriam's over there in New Jersey, you've got so much going on. Um, and since the last time we talked, I don't think you guys were doing Care Portal yet. Um, so Miriam's Heart, your nonprofit is an implementer for Care Portal, you guys brought it to New Jersey, like new, like JFO brought it to New York. So would you tell us how is Care Portal going in New Jersey? Well, before I do that, I want to just thank you because I'm sure you remember, maybe you don't, but we were driving through the hills of Georgia together and I was really picking your brain about Care Portal and trying to understand it because usually when people hear Care Portal, they need to hear about it like three times to to understand that it's really just a fancy word for software platform. But um, thank you for talking with me about it because... In talking with you, I really sensed that God was leading us to bring it to New Jersey. And at the time, as you know, it was before COVID, back when things seemed very normal. And, um, you know, we were just trying to figure out, like, why was God asking us to to bring this to our state and how would it be beneficial? So now, fast forwarding so many years, and now Care Portal does things 
a little bit differently. And some of the barriers that maybe would have prevented us, they um, removed, you know, during COVID. So it's been a wild and crazy ride. Um, It's, you know, initially, I think it was sort of slow trying to get churches onboarded around what it was and why they needed it. And I, I felt like I was really trusting and relying on some of, you know, our conversations and just following God to bring it to New Jersey. So um, we now have, we have a different structure than a lot of the other states. Um, we're, we're tiny, but mighty. We're densely populated in New Jersey. So when I spoke to the care portal folks, I, I kind of encouraged them to look at us more regionally than countywide. And the software functions by county, um, but they have given us a number of counties to implement at the same time. So we're basically taking sections of New Jersey and lighting it up with churches. So in, in about a year, we've added, um, I think we're at like 10 counties now, and we are um, at 17 churches, and it's probably going to bump over 20 pretty soon. I just met with six churches last week. And the leader of the, that group of churches said, I've never seen these guys more excited by anything um, as much as they were by the opportunity to bring Care Portal to their church. And, you know, it's us now, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, I know you know the value of it and your listeners probably have heard you talk about Care Portal, but what it really does is it allows churches to do their job. And it allows them to become community around families that are in need around them. And it allows us organizationally to do things better than we've ever been able to um, in a more organized and stewarding way. So it's just been really, it's just been miraculous. I don't know another word. Um, We received some grant funding for implementing it in New Jersey. So every single barrier we had, any excuse that we could have given to not do it, um, God has himself removed. So including the finances needed. So yeah, it's just been a really um, great journey um, implementing it. And I thank you for boldly telling me I needed to absolutely bring it to New Jersey. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see the growth there because at the heart of it really, right, is the child and serving children and families in crisis. That's our hearts. And I knew it was your passion too. So I knew it would be a perfect fit there. So that's exciting to me because I know we've been doing it in New York for four years, um, you know, and I we brought it to New York first. And now there's two other IPs, actually three, if you count the guys down in, in the city, down in New York City. So, um, you know, there, it's, it's spreading across New York State and it's just something only God could do. Uh, so we're super excited because I know we've we've gotten um, goodness. I know our numbers here um, for our capital region county of uh, a region of four counties. I think we are 2,800 children served so far, but it's way past that if you count the other parts of New York State that where Care Portal is implemented. So it's super exciting. So I love touching base with you on that, and I'm grateful that Miriam's is doing that there in New Jersey. So exciting. It really is. And honestly, you know, some of our first opportunities to use it were just stunningly, um, they were really showing the world around us, confounding the world around us, like putting our money where our mouth was in terms of what we say we believe and what we say matters to us as people of God. Um, it was, you know, almost immediately that we had Afghan refugees coming. We were able to use Care Portal to 
um, serve many, many dozens of family. And we weren't even able to put the number that we were helping similar to you, you know, that at the time they had a limit of um, you could put a need in, but you could indicate up to 50 kids. But we knew that there were hundreds of children coming to New Jersey, um, escaping um, really horrific situations to come here with little more than, you know, the clothes on their back or, you know, most of them had had nothing coming here. So we were able to really press in around those needs in a really beautiful way. And um, really, really impress, I think, the the people in the state who are still not sure that they believe that churches will actually come around this to really demonstrate to them that they they will and they are. And it's really been a beautiful thing. I love the vantage point of being able to watch um, God's people. I always say that when God's people fly in formation, it's kind of like when you see when you see birds in the wind and you can sort of see the imprint of the wind in the patterns of the birds, because there's, you know, hundreds of birds in the sky, you can see the wind patterns. And it's like seeing the Holy spirit himself in the actions of his people when people fly in formation like that. So care portal is just an an awesome way for us to be able to really streamline what we do at Miriam's heart and allow the churches to really step into their role um, and collaborate together and support the families within their church and outside their church and their communities. So yeah, it's just a win-win in every way. Yeah, I agree. And, but I also know like at JFO, Care Portal is not the only thing that Miriam's does. And, you know, it's something more, more recent. There's a lot of other things that, that Miriam's does. So tell us what are the other programs? What's the other work of Miriam's heart? So historically, Miriam's was initially created um, to create ministries and churches and to kind of guide and mentor families in and through the adoption and foster process. And as we matured, we began to do um, things that were focusing more on meeting the needs of at-risk kids, um, funding adoptions and providing grants toward um, therapy if needed. And just really beginning to holistically support families, um, you know, beyond their, you know, well beyond their placement, walking alongside them um, for many, many years. And most recently, we started um, an initiative that we call Heart and Company that we're really trying to scale to give young people skills Um, During COVID, I, well, before COVID, I started grad school. So um, it seemed like a really silly thing to do during COVID um, to be sitting around the table and reading psychology journals. But part of the reason that I joined grad school was as an adoptive parent, as you know, um, we're constantly told about all of the risk factors for our kids. And it feels helpless and hopeless sometimes. And I really just felt like it didn't adequately explain, like, there's got to be something more. And I went to school to kind of prove that to myself. And in that process, began developing programs like Heart and Company, um, because as I was taking, you know, reading through these journals and learning about research and how kids develop and what things get in the way of healthy development, you could start to see, you know, everyone's hearing right now about resiliency and that's a big word right now and the word thrive. And it's because people are starting to realize and research is starting to prove that as much as ACEs are 
um, a predictor of bad outcomes across health and um, behaviors and academics. It's just, it's one of these things that's almost like the scorched earth policy, right? It's just going to completely bleed out into all areas and it's going to destroy them. As much as there's so much research about the predictive nature of trauma and ACEs, there's also things that, that can't be explained by that. Like the very high number of hugely successful people who have been adopted or survived childhood maltreatment. And that became sort of my like my inner passion as an adoptive mom, um, as a foster parent, to be able to bring hope um, to the families that I'm working with. But even more than that, to kind of take advantage of the unique developmental time of adolescence, which I happen to I love it. I'm like one of those weird people that enjoyed, you know, substituting in a middle school and high school setting. I love teens. Um, which is great that all of my kids right now are in that kind of place. It's hilarious. But, um, you know, it, it really, it's a time that's unique in that kids are not, I can't always fix a family, right? I can't always mentor bad parenting out of a situation, or I can't change, uh, you know, the trajectory of, of bad attachment styles or a lack of stability in everything that I work with. And, it, and, I want to, but I can't. So um, I started to realize that kids could still heal anyway. And that became sort of a passion of mine that in that unique time of development, kids are, are barely listening to their parents anyway in adolescence. They're really being refined by their peers and teachers and coaches and pastors and all those people out there. If you're interfacing with young people, like you are really shaping their lives. It's really vitally important what you're doing. And to the parents out there who are getting doors slammed in their face or getting the middle finger given or all the crazy stuff that you deal with in adolescence, have no fear. Their prefrontal cortex will develop <laughs> at some point and they're not really listening to you anyway. So if you're blowing it and you need a rupture and repair moment, you can get that through that whole developmental phase. Other people can press in in a different way to your kids. And so we started a program that is our, our goal is to lay a foundation with young people who maybe have less risks, not no risks, but less risks and to pair them with kids that have higher risks to bring in some peer to peer refinement and mentorship under the oversight of trusted adults, safe adults, and to teach them skills because these are all things that are resiliency builders. These are all things that, contribute to the successful outcome of a kid, as does faith, as does um, athletics. There's just a ton of research around this. So it just gave me a lot of hope. And I hope that I'm giving um, some encouragement to families out there. If you're tired and weary, like you don't, you don't have to be, God didn't design it that we were going to be the only solution for our children. Um, he designed it that at that same age that they're going to push us away that they can learn from their peers and they can realize um, their full potential with the press in of other healthy adults with high structure, high nurture situations. So yeah, that we are really focusing there. My goal is to next gen my leadership team and to, as we, you know, over the next few decades phase out of leadership that my children and teens who are interning with us now and working with us now would become the leadership of Miriam's heart and take over and press into that next generation. 
Mm, what a wonderful vision that you've got for, for Miriam's and for the next generation. And I love, so I want to talk a little bit about Heart & Co because that's the, um, the, the program, the initiative that you started, um, beautiful products um, in your Etsy shop. So um, explain, you know, about that. What, are, what, is, what is in the shop? What are you doing? How does it work? How do you get the kids involved? So right now, kids are pretty much involved in the business aspects. Um, my vision is that they would fully and only run this store. It's just been slow goings as as we all are sort of feeling the the muck and mire of waiting through the end of COVID. Um, but we are creating unique and custom items. A lot of it's woodworking, um, engraving, and designing things that kind of point to like our mission and vision and point to the importance of home and family, our faith and the things that matter most to us. And one of our signature things is that we do a lot of maps. Um, I was able to create maps where we were able to figure out how to engrave maps onto items, onto cutting boards or onto, I just did a bunch of acacia spoons um, for an event here in, in Franklin, New Jersey. And so I put the, you know, the longitude and latitude in and I'm able to pull down the map of the city and, and put it onto things. And for those who have um, been adopted, there is a, a, a significance and an importance in sort of having a connectedness to your roots. And so um, as we've been able to give these, these things, whether it's an ornament or a, a cutting board or a utensil or a trinket dish with a map um, of where someone has been born or um, journeyed home from it's, it really has a lot of meaning for the people that are, that are receiving those things. So we're, we're creating really meaningful gifts, but in doing that, we're giving the kids that we're mentoring the ability to have a gift themselves and learn skills and trades, um, learn how to run a small business, learn how to run a little Etsy store, learn how to ship and take inventory and do sales on their feet at vendor and craft fairs, um, and have a resume builder and have a community around themselves. And these, again, these are, it seems like simple. And I think when you grow up in a family that's either entrepreneurs or business owners, these things seem like routine to you. But the reality is that when you're a kid at risk, you're not learning those skills all the time. You're you're often transitioning and you're just trying to get your footing on where like the, the silverware is in a new home. So you're not you're not picking up those skills that kids should learn along the way all the time. So it's really trying to replicate what it might look like to be in a healthy family where we have a family business and we work together and we ultimately my goal is to actually create revenue for our young people down the road some scholarships and some other things um but you know to even be able to give them a small paycheck and offset you know some financial constraints in a family it, these things all are intentional. They're all resiliency builders and they all can change the outcome of those predictors of all those negative things. Any one of those things can change those outcomes. So we're trying to press in as many of them as we can to see which ones stick. And, um, you know, my, my goal is that, you know, we may not see in the first, you know, group of kids that come through that program, a huge radical shift, but that over time, we're going to be able to start seeing that we're changing some of the trajectories of our kids' lives. So I love that because, again, the kid is at the heart of everything that you're doing and building life skills 
and, and all of those things that you just listed into the kids that are coming in and working in the program. And I have to say, because I've shopped your Etsy store, beautiful, meaningful products. So I encourage folks to check that out. You can go to Etsy and it's Miriam's Heart and Co. Is that how it's listed in there, if I remember right? Yes. Yes, you're correct. And it's, you know, we link from our website, miriamsheart.org. You can find the links to the Heart and Company Etsy store. And I would say what I'll do, Sandra, is I'll give you a coupon code after this for folks to get oh, like free shipping cool. or something. We'll do something fun. Well, I yeah. love to give I've learned that my love language is giving gifts. <laughs> I love to give gifts. <laughs> I love to receive gifts. So yeah, let's yes. coordinate something Same here. fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be great. So stay tuned for that, folks, and be checking out. We'll make sure we put a link in our the show notes here to be able to get to your website and to all of these amazing things that you're doing. Um, speaking of amazing things that you're doing, you did another new thing. You're a new author. Um, earlier this year, you released a children's book, The Adventures of Tiger Lily. Why did you write this book? I love that. Um, thank you. We we um, it was a really banner year. It was like Care Portal came. I got my master's degree and I published a book. So, um, <laughs> what else are you going to do, right? Sitting around your kitchen table. So, um, I had written this book back when my daughter was pretty young, and I really wanted, you know, it was the same heart's cry as why I went to grad school. I really wanted to help her to see just how wonderful she was and to see her strengths. And, you know, it's a very simple book. It's essentially a love letter to my daughter and to all children that um, they would find the things about them that make them special and precious and that they would build on those things. So it's essentially, you know, the things that I would push in and press into my daughter to remind her of her strengths when she would have to go through some difficult times. It's, really a love letter to her. And it's a love letter to all children. It's intentionally um, very simple to read. It's intentionally almost black and white because I didn't want it to be sensory overload for our kids. I wanted it to be something that a kid could take and like color in if they wanted to. Um, and so it was really a love project to my daughter that she would know how precious she is. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's been a fun it's been a fun journey. The next one, the next book is, is baked up a little bit waiting on some illustrations, but it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's the things we learn as moms, as we grow older with our kids and how to, how to bring them out of difficult times. That's really why I wrote, wrote this book really to her, but to all children. Yeah. I love that. And I love your focus on strengths because I think, you know, our kids that have endured so much, um, they face so many challenges and they're often just sort of judged by those behaviors, right, that we see, which are really symptoms of trauma, symptoms of prenatal exposure. But every kid has strengths. And when we can focus on those strengths, it can really help them overcome a lot. So, so Liz, what, what are, what were your, what were some of those strengths that you pointed out in the book that your daughter has that, that, um, you know, why is that so important? It's interesting because those same things that could be strengths can be the things that make kids difficult to parent, right? Mm -hmm. So like one of her strengths is that she's quick as a whip and she's smart. She's a very, very smart kid. I used to say to my mom when she was little, 
Um, she's like parenting a chess game, mom. I'm always <laughs> two steps behind her. She's always <laughs> doing something. You know, she's coming up with some clever way to find something to make me make me lose my mind, you know, and and by helping to focus on her 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 smarts, right? Instead of focusing on um the negative aspect of that, it helped me too as a parent. So in the book, you'll hear, um, you know, us talking about her beauty. And that's particularly important because Lily's been through some facial surgeries. Um, She's been, she's endured a lot. Um, She's got, you know, she's one of four daughters. She's the only Asian child and she's, you know, been through a lot of surgeries and, and difficulties and, and maybe struggles to value her appearance and how the world sees her. So we always wanted her, her name really means beautiful. And we always wanted her to feel beautiful. Um, you know, the other aspects were that she was smart and that she was fast. She always, <laughs> she always was fast. I could, I still can't keep up with her. Um, she wants to be in the Navy and um, is just a really, really disciplined, quick little, little girl. And um, always was that. And, the book is really talking about how she turned those strengths into overcoming the adversity that she would encounter. Um, and it's, it's a simple thing, but as, as parents, if we can learn to take those things that might be driving teachers crazy or might be driving coaches crazy or parents crazy and turn them into a skill um, in a positive way, that is what resilience is. And I've come to believe that when we have a certain a certain number of adverse experiences, and I don't know what that tipping point is, but I do believe that the same thing that would look like scorched earth in our kids' lives could enlarge our kids' capacity for resilience. Research is now emerging saying that, and it's starting to show like if you have adversity, you actually have a greater capacity for resilience. So really the book mm. is a simple way of helping parents to talk about um, their kids' strengths and focus on their strengths and and help them to build on them. And sometimes, look, it's a little bit of theater for all of us, right? Like <laughs> we have to, we have to like, we have to fake it till we make it sometimes and, and help our kids to believe something that we're still trying to convince ourselves to believe. And that's not wrong. Um, it, you know, sometimes you, you have to just um, breathe that hope into your child's story um, I do think I think you may have heard the story of um, a young boy who came. Uh, you may have heard this. I don't know. He came home from school with a note. He handed it to his mother. And um, basically, the, the he asked the mother what the note said. And she said, um, basically, we've been told that you're so smart that you're going to have to do school at home and that none of the teachers at school are are equipped to teach you and go, goes on and on. And it was only later, and I believe it, it was either Mark Twain or Albert Einstein, but equally genius, right? When they were clearing out their mother's home, found the actual letter and the actual letter really read, you know, look, your kid is impossible to teach. They'll never learn anything. And this this kid went on to believe that he was a genius, because his mother just blew hope into a hopeless situation. Mm. And, um, you know, we can do that with our kids. We can, we can breathe hope into things that maybe we think, you know, our kid will never be capable of something, but we, we keep believing in that for them and, and pressing them forward. And maybe they will accomplish more than we've ever 
dreamed or imagined them to. So that's really, that's the heart of the book um, is to make it, make a love letter to my daughter and um, to all those kids out there and adults who are questioning their value and, and their preciousness that they would know mm. how precious they are in, in God's eyes. I love that. So it's the adventures of Tiger Lily. Where can our listeners pick up a copy? So I have, there's a, a small button at the bottom of my website homepage, miriamsheart.org. Um, and under the shop tab, you can also um, click and find a link there to to purchase a copy. And we'll we'll do the same fun thing. I'll give you some kind of a coupon code or some something to make it fun for listeners to grab a copy of that before um, the holidays and have it under the tree so that they can read it to their little ones. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a great gift for sure. And we'll include links in the show notes again for all of the things that we're talking about here, the book and Miriam's heart and um, the heart and co for your Etsy shop. So um, lots of amazing things going on. No surprise to me because I know you and I know you're a force to be reckoned with and um, you get things done over there in New Jersey, Liz. So um, you're also an adoptive and foster parent, so you know how hard the journey is. Um, so as we wrap up, Liz, what advice would you offer to adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers who are listening, who may be struggling? You know, we're just embarking on the holidays now, and a lot of times that, you know, can turn our already upside down houses further upside down. Um, so what's on your heart that you would share with us? Well, for one, I would say we, you know, we jokingly were talking ahead of time and I said, lower your expectations. Um, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a mean or rude way. I mean it in a real way. Um, make, make it easier to achieve your goals personally. And as a family, make it easier, especially right now when it's really chaotic, it's going to bring up a lot of big feelings in our families. Um, make it easier for everybody to succeed. <laughs> Come up with ways mm. to do that. I like to say um, time flies, whether you're having fun or not. <laughs> you know, you sure. can look back and the last decade has gone really, really quick. And it's like right before our eyes, time has flown, whether we were enjoying it or not. So try to enjoy it because you'll look back on, you know, your your Facebook posts or your old photos and you'll you'll fondly smile or you'll laugh about the very worst times um, of your life. You you will, whether it's the stomach flu or um, the kid who decided to run away and, and you'll look back on those things and you will probably laugh about how epically bad that one Christmas was when everybody was hugging the toilet and sleeping on the bathroom floor. So try to just keep it light and recognize that, you know, I, we can replace a lot of the negative thoughts that we have um, with truth and positive things. And that changes our feelings and that actually does change our behaviors. And it's a biblical principle. That's why God tells us to take our thoughts captive. It's not because, you know, I want to talk about psychobabble and um, research all the time. It's actually God created our brain and he knows how we how we thrive and how we work best. And we also have an adversary who wants to trip us up and cause fights and cause issues and bad behaviors and all of that in the midst of really such a beautiful time of, of year. So I would say come up with a a verse, a saying, something that you say to yourself that helps you flip that script when things get bad. Um, mine is often this too shall pass. 
or I'm doing the very best that I can and come up with a list of things that you do when you're feeling down in the dumps or you're feeling like it's going to, you know, go cascading in the wrong direction. Um, write that list when things aren't cascading in the wrong direction so that you can just quickly refer to it. And it could be as simple as, you know, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go to my room at eight o'clock and take a bubble bath and go to bed early. Um, and maybe that means binge watching Netflix by yourself, but find a list of things. They don't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be a spa day. It could be lighting a candle at dinner. These things that feed your soul, that calm your family and keep the the season just as simple and as beautiful as I think it was meant to be. And remember, the first Christmas story was kind of chaotic. So mm-hmm. again, keep the expectations pretty low because as long as it's not in a manger, <laughs> not chaotic with animals up in your house trying to have a baby, you know, it was we always think of these things as being these perfect stories and they really they're really crazy. So, right. you know, kind of our families embrace embrace that because time flies whether we're having fun or not and we'll look back on a lot of these stories and we'll laugh together about um those those times we tripped over the shoes and ended up with a broken ankle or something you know all these crazy (laughs) all these crazy things that happen in big families um yeah we're we're in your corner adoptive and foster parents we're in the pit with you and um we love you and we're constantly praying for each other um, and, you know, hoping for the ability to actually see the fruit of um, what, what we've raised and, and how we've poured into our, our kids. So. I love that Liz. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for everything that you're doing on behalf of vulnerable children and families over there in New Jersey. And um, it's it's been a pleasure again. And have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I hope you feel encouraged and better equipped uh, for your parenting journey. Uh, And for help along the way, be sure to check out our website for resources for foster, adoptive, and kinship caregivers. We have our Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community, our intro to FASD, our Lunch and Learn coming up, our Facets workshops, all available. You can learn more and register on our website, justicefororphansny.org. Also, I always like to give a shout out to our business sponsors, Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, National Bank of Kuksaki, and Coleman Insurance. These businesses care about children and families in crisis, and they help us do what we do. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to let us know by subscribing and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know too, so that they can listen to the show and be encouraged and equipped. Be sure to find and follow JFO on Instagram and Facebook at Justice for Orphans. Myself, Sandra Flack, I'm there as well. Find and follow me. And, you know, I'm grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. And I'm praying for you and that your holiday season for your family, for your children will be smooth and enjoyable um, and uneventful, uh, aside from all the fun stuff, right? So I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. 
please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.